close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storer. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 65, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing great, Brennan. How are you? Well, I'm good, but I got to say I'm a little ambivalent about going into uh, another episode of Shadow People Stories. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I always say the, the fey folk are the only topic that really give me the heebie-jeebies when we talk about this stuff. But the shadows... Well, the shadow people are where you've had a few encounters Yes, with. exactly. Yeah. yeah. They're my, my old friends. <laughs> and see, it's the complete opposite for me. I had never even... I hate to admit it, but I'd never even heard of shadow people until we started doing these shows. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I heard nothing. I knew nothing about it. Oh, and my then, sweet summer child. When we, <laughs> And when we started talking about them, the stories just came out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and there's so many of them. That's it. I mean, we waded through so many stories that the guys found on the internet yeah. for uh, tonight's show. And we have, I believe, three or four listener stories as yeah. well of yeah. encounters with shadow people. One actually that uh, sort of shores up a story I told on episode 12, way back in those way halcyon back. days. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when we when we do tell that that listener story, I'm going to play that clip from nice. that episode. But I, going back to find it, I thought it, it was funny how much nicer we were to each other back then. <laughs> you know, we're only 12 episodes in. We're still really getting to know each other. Well, 12 episodes in, at that point, we would have known each other, what, seven months? Yes. Wow. So there was still that pretending like, oh, I'm just going to be civil to you. Oh, because I'm a nice person. Yeah, now, and I, now yeah, sp- no. I wouldn't spit on you if you're on no, fire. I know. Gloves yeah. are off. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I have unmasked the monster. And yeah, exactly. Still sitting here. Yeah, I told you it's warm. I have to have my shirt on. <laughs> Let's not put that visual in anybody's head. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. So you have just come back. You were away for a while. Yeah, I went away to the interior for uh, the weekend, and it's pretty ironic because we really like going to Asoyas, right? Which is big time wine country. For anybody sure. who's listening, it's our wine region. Like in California, it's the same kind of deal. The Okanagan, yeah. Yeah, but. Neither of us drink wine. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. (laughs) But it's just a great area to hang out in. And so very exciting for me. I got to see my first thunderstorm in like four years. That is exciting. I mean, here we on don't the, get them here. No, on Vancouver Island, the, the weather is a lot like the people in that it uh, it's just not real interesting. It's, it's just very mellow and pretty even. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we we went up to uh, up the side of a mountain, Anarchist Mountain, over uh, overlooking a soyuz. Fantastic name, isn't that great? And. Um, we got to watch the thunderstorm roll through, and it was incredible. Well, also on Anarchist Mountain, and this this intrigues me. There's an entire multi-million dollar housing subdivision that never happened. Really? So they've got multiple neighborhoods: Peregrine, Bear, Coyote, even a Sasquatch, and they have. Don't let you point it to me. I think. <laughs> Well, you're sitting there without a shirt on. Well, there is this. Um, and they they have these uh, statues on the outside of each of the areas, right? And um, people were supposed to pay big money for these lots. Sure. So what they did was they created all the infrastructure. So there's paved driveways down to... Nothing. Nothing. Oh, I love So that. out of each neighborhood, of, I'm going to guess about 40 or 50 lots, and there's about eight different of these neighborhoods on, on the mountain. Right. Maybe two houses per neighborhood. <sighs> oh, it's creepy. 
Oh, oh, it is creepy. It feels so weird. And um, I did some Googling because, you know, that's my favorite way of researching. You do research. This, that's new. Well, I Google. Um, it all went down in 2012 that this was going to be the next big thing. And this family sank all their money into it. And there's all these newspaper articles about it. And then you see a couple couple years later, like, things aren't quite moving as well as they'd hoped. Right. And family in trouble and money is a problem. And, and now um, you go up there and there's just these sort of forlorn looking for sale signs and Ooh. in some of the nicer ones where they have great views right overlooking the valley and into the states um there's some houses sure yeah, yeah but ooh, it's a weird bleak place i gotta try and get up there and take some pictures you'd it, love it yeah but it is weird well speaking of weird empty places uh next week your soul yeah 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 no that's that's <laughs> uh, it's, it's full of darkness is that <laughs> technically empty no i guess not that darkness and pizza <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, and perversion. Lots of that. Lots, lots of perversion. Lots of that. Let's yes. break it down. In, no, no. That, yeah, a pie chart. Perhaps. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's. Now no. you talked about pizza. Oh yeah, me too. But anyways, moving, anyway, focusing. Moving on. Next week, I'm going. Uh, I have to go to northern, some sort of mid northern BC, right. for a funeral. Yes. And I, uh, because it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, I couldn't find a hotel nearby, so right. I ended up booking an Airbnb. Oh, lovely. Well, see, it's a trailer. In a 150-mile house uh, on two acres of land. So you're, okay. I am alone in a trailer on two Which acres of land. Which is forested. Yes. You're not on like the prairies. Correct. You can't see anything coming at you. Correct. So you're, you're it's nightmare fuel. 100%. You are basically setting yourself up in a plot of a B-grade horror movie. At the slightest noise, I will surf out the door on a tidal wave of shit. <laughs> is there even internet? Uh, I assume so. I, I, they don't live in the third world. Well, no, but up north, there's pretty big expanses where there's no cell phone signal and there's no internet. You know, I don't know. That would have been a really good question to ask. Watch this space. <laughs> you may oh be looking God. for I a new co-host. I can't wait to hear how this goes Oh, down. man. I mean, again, I didn't have many options. Take a sound machine and earplugs, and then you won't hear the scratching of the side of the trailer. <laughs> the screams of the damned from the well out back. Yeah. Let me in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... <laughs> We have, uh, we, I, we, next week we have to record well in advance another episode. We do. Uh, so you won't hear about my, my uh, well, if I survive, you won't hear about it on the next show, but the show after that. Yeah. Uh, and patrons will hear about it in the uh, the Cabin Fever episodes. Right. Which you can hear too if you go to patreon.com slash guys For only $5 a month, you get access to the monthly Cabin Fever episodes where me and Ian talk about all the things that don't fit into the regular show anymore. All the stupid food we've been eating, stupid movies we've been watching, and just genuinely we've been... Usually we just complain about being tired. Lately that's been a lot of that. <laughs> it's been a theme. Yeah. You also get access to Luke Lore, which is Luke's monthly deep dive into whatever folklore topic happens to catch his interest. I gotta edit the new one here tomorrow and all kinds of other stuff so right. again head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys if you want to know more about that we love you patrons we sure do mm -hmm. when we come back from the break stories of shadow people Welcome back. As we said before the break on this episode, we're going to be doing our third volume of Shadow People Stories. Mm -hmm. And they just never get old and you never run out. You never run out. That's what I was thinking exactly. And I don't know that there's anything quite so effective 
in ruining a, a great dinner party <laughs> than just making everyone piss themselves with shadow people stories. Uh, yeah, I think you have to wait till the very end of the dinner party. Like, you know, the candles are guttering out on the oh, table. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Everyone's on like the second drunk. glass of wine. Yeah, 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 I think that's really the only way you can tell these sorts of stories and not have everyone get upset. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they do, I don't care. I love well, them. Well, yeah, whatever. But yeah, no, there was, because we had that great shadow people story from, I think the, the woods are trying to kill you where the dogs were barking at something that was darting from cover to cover. Yeah. And when it finally got away from the dogs and cleared the fence, it stood up and it was tall and thin and it screamed at the dogs. Yeah. And that, again, that'll just ruin your day or Pretty your much. night. Or... Yeah. No, I'm good without that. I'm sure maybe you'll get to see it when you're in your trailer in the middle of the woods. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so goddamn I want you much. to go there with that in mind. As you close oh. the door on that first night and turn off the outside light, I want you to... Just think about that. And now you will, because I put it in your head. I was going to be thinking about it anyways, but I'll be thinking about it even more so. Excellent. Thank you. I'm so pleased. I'm actually, I'm going up there with someone and I tried to get them to stay with me because yeah. it's several bedrooms. Yeah. You know, and they said, oh no, that's fine. <laughs> and of course you won't be able to text because there'll be no said. 100%. Yeah. You'll be dropped there by yourself. Yeah. No, like I said, I'm just going to surf out on a tidal wave of shit. It'll nice. be Perfect. 100% fine. I would probably just keep the car parked as close to the trailer as humanly possible and possibly running yeah just in case it's you know what it's an investment in my future it, yeah don't get ready stay ready that's <laughs> that's how this is gonna roll i out. did something like that once actually uh two years ago i went on I, a friend of mine had a bachelor party in calgary yeah and then i took the long way home so right. through the north i ended up overnighting in the town of Belmont, bc just as a forest fire was burning north of town oh an, out of right. control yeah. forest fire yeah, yeah, yeah. and a storm was rolling in. I was sitting in the bar having a beer. remember this, yeah. Power got knocked out. Went back to my motel. No power. Forest fires burning, you know, not far yeah. down the road. And there's talk about evacuation. But now that they can't get hold of anybody because there's no power. No power. So I just lay... It's a horror movie. On my... You're not kidding. Yeah. I lay on my bed, fully clothed. Waiting. With my car right there, on my, my go back right there, just waiting for the knock on the door to say we're evacuating the Did town. Did you even sleep? Not really. No. No. I couldn't. No. And perhaps unsurprisingly, I was almost in a car wreck the next morning. Uh, yeah, no, not a, not a shock. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. But anyways, well, time to get to the stories. You want to start us off? Sure. When I was between the ages of one to four, my mother, father, brother, who's three years older than me, and I lived in a duplex home with three bedrooms and two bathrooms. We lived in a troubled town. Which means that drug dealers, gangbangers, and simply unstable people were not too far away from where we lived. Despite being so young, I can vividly remember some of my experiences, like seeing shadows out of the corner of my eye, feeling gusts of wind rush down the hall. Though the experiences may not have seemed too scary from my perspective, my mom, dad, and brother's experiences were apparently enough to convince them that there were others there with us. And they even had our local priest come and bless the house at least three times. They did not explain it to me until I was old enough to understand, but apparently, after doing research on our side of the duplex, they came to find that people had in fact died in our house. The deaths of some of them are a little unclear, however, one of them was involved in drug dealing and was shot and killed in our home. One night, as my brother slept in my bottom bunk while I sat in the living room watching TV and my mother washed dishes, he woke up with a feeling of dread as he heard faint, obscured laughter that seemed far yet right next to his ears. He remembers seeing six slightly transparent shadow men with two clear holes in their faces where their eyes were likely to have been. My brother remembers this very clearly and vividly and it still scares him to this day. He remembers them laughing, 
and staring at him, and he was unable to move or make a sound. At first he thought he might have been dreaming, but with everything so clear and with what came next, he knew there was no way. One of them touched him, grabbed his right arm, wrist to be specific, and as it lifted his arm, my brother can only remember finally having the energy to run out of the room, before running into the living room in front of my mom and breaking down into tears without a word. My mom, to my surprise, remembers him crying and being too afraid to explain why. I got to say, I'm not a fan of these things traveling in packs. No. Like the Jets and West Side Story, just six shadow people snapping their fingers and trying to pull you down to hell. No, not great. No. Not great. And also, how futile must life as a priest be? If you turn up to the same place and bless it three times in a row, like, (laughs) did you miss a spot? Is it like dusting? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he's just doing it wrong. He's invoking the great spirit of the badger or something. And he brought the wrong prayer book. The Graveyard Shift I started my job three years ago and eventually got tired of working days and moved to nights, where it's less busy and more relaxed. Before long, I started to hear tapping noises from the huge windows behind my desk, but since there were other people around, I wrote it off as either accidental or someone just screwing around. That's when I started noticing what seemed like dark shadows passing by other desks out of the corner of my eye, but like the tapping, I would just blow it off. Eventually, management moved our team to the other side of the call center, which I quickly learned was more active. I would hear bangs, alarm clocks, and radios going off at random, and feel the sensation of something passing by my desk. One night around 2am, I was relaxed and watching a movie at my desk when something got my attention. We turn off a lot of the overhead lights at night because, frankly, fluorescents are gross, so when I looked down an aisle between cubicles, it was darker than the rest of the office, and, and that wasn't unusual. But that's when I saw the top half, head and shoulders, of a shadow person darting quickly in and out of the supervisor's cubicles. Sometimes I would see a shadow of the top part of the head passing by other cubicles at random too, but I always pretended not to notice. Then, finally, I had an experience I couldn't ignore. About 50 feet in front of my desk, hanging from the ceiling, is a television which displays our call queue. Specifically, it tells us if anyone is waiting and how long they've been waiting for. Management comes down on you hard if you leave callers waiting too long. So over the course of my nights at work, I would constantly see, from the corner of my eye, a dark shadow passing back and forth in front of that television. It drove me crazy. I even started pushing my files and papers higher up in my cubicle to block it out. Then one night I actually caught a full-on glimpse of it and I was shocked. It was the top half, again, side view of a shadow person. The head was slightly bent backward and the mouth open as if in a daze. Maybe that's how shadow people are? Wandering around in a half-conscious state, just roaming in their dimension lost? I don't know how these things work, but now I know that without a shadow of a doubt, there is something moving around that call center at night. As if working in a call center is not bad enough. No kidding, right? But it's funny because we are 24-hour, seven days a week staffed in our record section. Oh, really? Yeah, and the ladies up there will often report weird things happening, and that's building's only been there since 97. It's not like it has a long... Is this the building where I usually pick you up when no. we go for lunch? No, no okay. this is the actual um, gotcha. building, but the first part was built in the 1940s, the next right. part built in like the 70s, and then the part where they're in was built in uh, 97. Okay. And uh, most of them have reported something weird going on at night. Fascinating. Yeah. 
Well, I know in the twelve eighteen studio. I mean, when we were downstairs, yeah. you know, you couldn't stay past a certain point because no. you started to see shadows moving. And I mean, I guess you could stay if you wanted to see that, <laughs> but I sure should. No, I was usually out there before you were pushing it backwards. Yeah, exactly. Get <laughs> to gain more traction. Just go. Just go. <laughs> By the door. The year was 2007, and it was the fall here in my hometown of South San Francisco, California. I know that for sure because it got dark before 8, 8 p.m. The front door in our house had an oval window that went from my waist to above my head, and the glass was frosted so you couldn't really see in. I mean, if you got close enough and squinted, you could probably make a few things out, but generally it was private. One Tuesday evening, I was sitting on my couch, watching TV and unwinding. As I relaxed on my couch out of the corner of my eye, I noticed there was a dark figure standing at the door, staring at me. I still get chills thinking about it. I couldn't make out any more features other than the shape of a tall man, because as soon as I snapped my head in that direction, it disappeared. I thought to myself, maybe I was tired, or maybe I was just seeing things. Anything other than a tall shadow man was watching me then disappeared. Enter Wednesday evening. Around the same time, I'd say approximately a quarter past seven, I was sitting in the same spot on my couch doing the exact same thing, watching TV, when out of the corner of my eye, I felt, and then saw, another shadowy figure staring intensely at me. I thought to myself, surely this was a coincidence. Once again, as soon as I turned my head to look that way, it was gone. So this time, I waited for cars to pass by to analyze how their headlights reflected off the window pane in the door. I tried to take into account the angle of the setting sun, but in the end, I was no closer to coming up with a rational explanation. Thursday came and went with no visit, as I laid back on my couch a little tense at the same time and place as the previous nights. I did end up reasoning with myself that I might have been a little exhausted, and just moved on mentally, so to speak. In a weird way, I was a little disappointed. Cue up Friday evening. I'm sitting down now with my wife watching a movie, mind you, on the couch around the same time on the clock at quarter past 7 p.m. I'll never forget this moment as we're watching Ned at the museum. And my wife jumped up off the couch, surprised and a bit shaken, and she said, Did you see that? Which I did, but I didn't respond. She asked me again, Did you see that? I said, See what? She finally replied, Did you see the person in the door staring at us? I told her, Thank you, thank you, thank you. She looked at me in astonishment and then said, For what? I told her I knew I wasn't crazy and that that was the third time in four nights I'd seen the Shadow Man. Our home recently underwent renovations, including the replacement of that front door, and I couldn't be happier to see it go. Ever since that night in 2007 when my wife and I saw the shadow figure peeping in, we kept one of my old jackets permanently pinned up over the window so even if our visitor returned, we wouldn't be able to see him or, hopefully, have him see us. That's sort of the, uh, I guess like the, the, the downside of frosted glass. Yes. You get privacy, but if yeah. some creepy bastard wants to stand on the other side of the door and watch you. You don't know who it is. It's just some figure yeah. standing there. Yeah. Oh man. No, that's not good. Uh, we have mirrored glass on the front of our house. Oh, okay. So, which is great, except at night it doesn't block anything. Oh. Well, cause it's lighter inside than outside. Right. Right. But on, during the day, you can't see in at all. Okay. It's just like a coppery mirror right. kind of look. But it's at night. You can see. Yeah, that makes me deeply uncomfortable. Everything I know. I hope you have good blinds. Yeah, I'm thinking I should buy some curtains or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
You don't have curtains? <laughs> well, we had these old blinds up, but they're really horrible. Oh, so. man. No, I, I at home, I have, we have shears yeah. and then curtains. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want people looking in my house. Yeah. That weirds me out. Because you yeah, know why? Because yeah, I look in people's houses when I'm out oh, for Oh, I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite time of night is between like 5.30 and 7.30 in the wintertime because all the lights come on. Yeah. So people don't close their drapes yet. How do you awesome. not close the drapes? Well, I don't. Oh, see, I, I, I really don't. I don't care. In fact, I took all the blinds off the back of the house. I'm like, nah, who cares? Well, the back of your house faces nothing. Yeah, for I mean, and if, and... if some weird beard is going to go back there and look, he's going to look. And if you want to fill your boots, I don't care. I got nothing Ugh. to show you. At least there's a cliff he can jump off. I don't wander around naked in my house. Well, thank God for that. Yeah, Mr. Pants Off. As soon as I get home, <laughs> pants off. I, I don't know why you'd wear pants in your own house. Oh, it just doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. No. It's called civilization. I used to, I think I mentioned this on the last show, my old job, I used to take my pants off. Yes. Because yeah. no one was around. Oh and if I, anyone was coming into the office, I knew ahead of time. So I'd get to work, pants come off, hang them up and just wander around the office in my boxers. Wow. And it was, uh, it was a little lovely. You're an odd little man. <laughs> You're just jealous of my, uh, my homespun air conditioning. Homespun air of my freewheeling ways. Exactly. Yeah. Being right. My name is David. I live in a house with two other roommates whom I consider to be like family. As far back as I can remember, I've been able to feel shadows. The figures that follow you, whether good or evil. I could sense them so intensely that I could describe how they look without actually being able to see their features. All I need is to feel their energy and I feel like I know them. It's been almost a week now and I continue to wake up every morning at 3.40 a.m. parched and in desperate need of water. When I get up to go to the kitchen, that's when I see her. A short shadow by my fridge, that in the first few days was very shy. I could tell she was young, no older than ten years old, and I could feel that she was good. Yet every morning without fail, she stood there by the fridge, almost like she was trying to tell me something. I never mentioned this to either of my roommates in fear they'd think I was going crazy, but one morning at the usual 3.40 I woke up, but didn't get out of bed. This time the ghost child started to mess with me, tapping on my headboard, opening and closing doors, anything to get my attention. But this time I was just too tired to get up, so I continued ignoring her. Later that morning, I was sitting in the living room reading and drinking coffee, when my roommate came in and sat right next to me. You will not believe what happened this morning, she said. I stayed up late last night watching my show and kind of fell asleep on the couch. Around like 3.30, something woke me up and when I looked in the hallway, I kid you not, there was a little girl by your door. She had pigtails and a nightgown that moved like there was a breeze in the house. I thought I was just dreaming, so I covered my face to try and go back to sleep, but then I looked again and she was still there and motioning me to your room. The door was open now, though. I shook my head at her and prayed because only Jesus can make that sort of stuff go away. I rolled my eyes at the Jesus remark and laughed, but that confirmation was crazy to hear. Every time I go into the garage, I feel another presence. This isn't the little girl. This one is dark. Negative, mean, and angry. It feels like a tall man, very aggressive, and he scares me. Eventually, I convinced myself that if I didn't pay attention to him, then he would leave me alone. That didn't happen. Now, every time I walk into the garage and ignore him, I get a chill over my entire body. Which kind of makes me wonder, if I was right about the girl, what about this? This is the kind of thing that happens to me. Right. Like, I feel the energy, and I get the pictures, and I know who I'm dealing with. And it is that confirmation from someone who knows nothing about what you've been thinking or experiencing, that's priceless. Because no matter how many times it happens, you still kind of think, uh, 
Am I, you know, am I getting this? Am I still getting this? Of course, yeah, yeah. And then you get that confirmation. It's like, okay, it's still going on. So that's pretty cool. But I agree. I don't know that you want to dwell on that garage guy very much. No. (laughs) The idea of the little girl, uh, keep that in mind because there is at least one other story of someone who sees exactly the same thing. Wow. What appears to be a little girl with pigtails. This reminds me a little bit of a story that I found uh, for my book, Strange mm. Little Place, mm. available everywhere. Fine books are sold. Is it? It is. Oh, thank you so much for telling I me. I mean, mostly Amazon. Actually, <laughs> funny enough, I was in Chapters a little while ago, and uh, I needed to buy a copy of my book. This is so sad. I know, because when we sell them, I have to buy them retail, because yeah. I can't get them from my publisher. Yeah. So I, I, I bought the one, and then they had one other left. So I said, oh, do you mind if I sign this? This way, of course, they can't send it back. <laughs> <laughs> but of thank course, you, thank you, Barbara Smith. Yeah, well, hey, yeah. I, Barbara has taught me many things. She really has. But uh, so, anyways, I thought put it back on the shelf. Surely, someone will want to pick up this wondrous treasure. Well, we had someone else order a book recently. You had to buy your own autograph. Yeah, book. I sure did. Oh no! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, that's humbling. Yes, which is a virtue. Yes. So you gained a valuable. I am virtuous right now. Well, as close as you're going to get. Yeah, fair. Fair enough. Oh, Brennan. (laughs) That's awful. Oh, my God. It's a comedy of errors. Wow. But uh, anyway, so so yeah, so there was a family who lived in a house about 20 years ago, and the father traveled a lot for for work, and so the mother and daughter would sometimes have the odd thing happen in the house. Just little stuff. But then one day the daughter started talking about how she was playing with her friend and and the mother thought, well, that's odd because no kids have moved to the neighborhood. So she asked her daughter, who's your friend? And and she said, well, she's a little girl. I don't know her name, but she wears a blue dress and she goes to the bushes in the morning and she comes out at night. Yeah. That's what the mother said. But she thought it was just like an invisible friend kind of scenario, Mm. you know? That's oddly specific for an invisible friend. Well, yeah. But then years later, different family living in that house. The babysitter was putting the daughter to bed yeah. and the daughter mentioned something about her sister and this girl has a brother. So the babysitter said, well, no, you, you have a brother. Uh, and the daughter said, no, no, it's my sister. She has blue dress and she comes to see me at night and no. she goes back to the bushes in the morning. No. Yeah. And then, then I did a, a radio spot. I think it was for coast to coast. And I was contacted by a woman in New Jersey who also used to play with the girl in the blue dress. Really? Yeah. So go figure. Bizarre. So the pigtails shadow, not, not that unusual. Uh, no, I guess not. Wow. Cool. Ninjas and the purple people. My mother and I have always had the connection of being able to see things. My father, on the other hand, doesn't like to talk about it. I know he's seen things, but it scares him, so he pretends he doesn't. When I was a toddler, I lived with my grandparents. I used to see shadow people, which I referred to as ninjas. I also used to see what I called the purple people. These figures would hide in closets and corners of the room most of the time. Their intention was to scare me, but they never harmed. They also never moved. They just stared. Several years later, I'm around the age of seven or eight. I was having nightmares, so I crawled into bed with my parents in the upstairs bedroom. At some point in the middle of the night, I woke up, and as I came to, I noticed something different. The entire room had changed. The dimensions of the room were the same, but all of the decor wasn't. It looked as if I were seeing the home, say, a hundred years ago. Everything was aged, out of date, and I felt odd. I began opening and closing my eyes trying to wake myself up or get back to reality, but the room stayed this way for 15 minutes or so. 
Eventually, as I opened my eyes for what seemed like the thousandth time, everything was back to normal. In my great-grandmother's house, I used to see this man in one particular room. He was always in the corner. He was a tall, slender, dark-haired man. He looked human, but was a translucent, grayed-out figure. He was a fan of jump scares, and could reorient his face in inhuman ways to make scary faces. Of course, this terrified me. As a child, I would complain to my family, and they asked me to describe the man. I did, and they told me I described my great-great-grandfather who died in the corner of that room. Apparently, he was a joker and liked to scare people. When I was 10, my parents and I moved into a new home. It was a hundred-year-old, two-story home that sat on a big hill. A few months after settling in, I had been playing with a pair of toy night vision goggles my mom had bought for me. Sure, they were just a pair of plastic lenses with a green light behind them, but hey, I was a kid. So, with all the lights off, I decided to head down the hallway towards my parents' room. Once I got there, I looked in and saw my dad taking a nap. That's when I noticed the light from my goggles was hitting my dad and casting a shadow on the wall behind him. But it wasn't my dad's sleeping figure. Instead, I saw a perfectly outlined shadow of a little girl standing there. I remember she had two pigtails, and I remember acknowledging what I saw, but not being scared. I went on with my adventures and can't recall another memory of seeing this girl. One night when I was 12, my younger brother, my mom, and myself went down the street to babysit for my aunt while she ran some errands. I'm not sure of the time, but it was dark. We were in the back room of the house when my brother started acting weirdly, clinging to my mom and refusing to speak or look around. The phone rang, so I answered, but there was no reply. Then my brother pointed to a door that led to the dark garage and said, Mom, what are they doing here? The phone rang again, and my mom answered this time, but there was still no reply. At this point, my brother began sobbing, begging us to make the scary people leave, all while the phone keeps ringing. Eventually, we unplugged the phone and went to the front room where we sat by the door and read Bible stories until my aunt returned. There's something about a ringing phone mm-hmm. with no one on the other end that just freaks the hell right out of me. Yeah. I, yeah. Don't, I don't know what it is. It's just a phone. You can hang it up. Nothing can... Well, aside from, you know, that one nightmare on Elm Street film where the tongue licks the girl from the phone. <laughs> you know, it can't do anything to harm you. But it's still really unnerving because you can't use any of your other senses with the phone. No, that's it. It's completely auditory. And if it doesn't work, then... Yeah. And I, I think I told you I had this dream... Uh, a couple weeks ago like this where yes, the yes. phone was kept ringing and something something said my name but it was hard to it was garbled yeah it sounded like a girl but it was garbled and something in the dream said don't answer that no. phone so I, yeah, I don't know it got to me and actually the purple people thing i have a little clip i'm going to play here mm. because i found the, the mention of the purple people reminded me of an interview i conducted once with a woman whose son saw them no. So I'm just going to play the clip. There's not much more information than that, but I just thought it'd be interesting for our listeners to to hear this. Uh, just so you know, I have altered the pitch of this voice because this person, uh, they were fine speaking on the record, but the kids, the ones who had their experiences right. were very much not. So I have to take, I had to bleep not only their name, I had to change the pitch of the voice. So it's right. going to sound a little bit creepy, but that's, that's just because it had to be changed. It's, uh, I'm not trying to freak you out. Yeah. 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 It was a one-eyed, one-horned, flying, purple people. Uh, that was the weirdest interview I've ever heard. That, shut up. One, <laughs> one sec, one sec, I'll find it. The only thing that I can remember of was when he was quite little, he used to see, he called them purple people. There were shadows of people in the hallways, and he'd mentioned that a few times. All right, that was the clip I meant. Okay. But uh, yeah, so th- this is something that other people have experienced. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I got to say, we actually have one more Revelstoke story coming up towards the end of the show. And uh, I, then I'm having to head back there for the first time in almost a year. I know. So what... Uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll reflect. See what, we'll see what's waiting for you yeah, this time. Great, reflect <laughs> reflect on that a little bit more when we get there. But if you uh, make it back, I'm better. I got shit to do. <laughs> the little girl in the shadows. This happened to me a couple of years ago while I was still in middle school, and my middle sister Jana was in high school. We'd moved into a new house not long before, and because our oldest sister Tina wanted a room to herself, Jana and I had to share. One night around 11 p.m. I was laying in my bed trying to fall asleep while Jana was having a phone conversation with one of her friends. She was sitting on her bed with her back against the wall and I was laying down facing her trying to sleep without much luck. A couple minutes passed, Jana was still talking, and I noticed something moving next to her. I looked carefully trying to make sure I wasn't seeing things, but no, there it was, the shadow of a girl right beside my sister. Jana hadn't noticed it, so I whispered her name trying to get her attention. She looked annoyed and told her friend to hang on because I was bothering her. Then she looked where I was pointing and screamed. She dropped the phone and ran out of the room with me not too far behind. We woke up everyone in the house, but of course when everyone went to go and check what all the fuss was about, the shadow was no longer there. No one really believed us and joked about how me and my sister had gone crazy, but we both know what we saw. Next story is called Come to Mummy. It's still unexplained, and I'm still unsure of what I've seen, but I'm here today to share this story with you and anyone else who has possibly had this encounter. I was around 9, maybe 10 when this happened. My parents were in their bedroom. I'd say it was around 10 p.m., possibly 11. I'd woken up out of a dead sleep, and I just felt so threatened. It was odd. It bothers me until this day. I looked over to my doorway, and I could clearly see three black figures with red eyes, one tall, one medium, and one small. I started panicking, and the tallest figure spoke. However, it sounded exactly like my mother. It said quite clearly, It's all right. Don't be afraid. Come to mummy. The other two figures held their arms out, trying to coax me closer. My mother never believed me until I told her again when I was twelve. We'd moved into a different apartment, and they seemed to follow me wherever I moved to still trying to coax me to come into their arms. They really are the only things that worry me, and typically I'm not as bothered by spirits as I am by these things. However, now that I'm 15, they've stopped. Instead of seeing them, I will feel like someone is on top of me holding me down as someone else makes it so I can't talk. It's almost as if I were born mute. I literally am unable to utter a noise. I would really love it if someone could explain both these things I can't explain anything, but I will say that's not better. Uh, no. That's not an improvement. No. Th- they've gone from just being kind of creepy to choking me. <laughs> oh, no, well, that's Well, that's not right. kind of creepy. Imitating your mom. Oh, yeah. That's some kind of twisted line. Yeah. And that is not something something that is good and benevolent would do. No. So. That reminds me of that story, um, the Northern California story, the thing outside the yes. trailer. Yes. Pretending to be their mother. That's exactly what I thought. Oh, man. That's messed up. And I think I've said this before. That's that's yet another one of my many, many fears, you know, is this whole doppelganger thing, this idea of something. Aren't you staying in a trailer soon? Isn't that coming up? Oh, it's a bird. It's a plane. <laughs> it's Ian fucking himself to death. <laughs> you are such a dickhole. Maybe your mom will be outside the trailer. Come on up, Brennan. Yeah, that's how I know it's lying. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's not my mother. <laughs> if it's cursing my name and smoking, it's my mother. <laughs> hey, Bennett. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, there she is. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, now she's kicking the shadow person. That, <laughs> uh, that follows. That follows. She's putting out a cigarette on its face. Yep. That's my mother. There we go. So we have four more stories, and these are all listener stories. So these have all been sent in to us. And one of them is the one that relates back to one of my stories from Rebel's Talk, but, but we'll get to that. First up, we have a listener story from Sean. Sean says, A little while back, I recall Brennan mentioning that you would soon be preparing another episode on Shadow People and thought that I'd write in with several supernatural experiences I've had, including encounters with the Hat Man, a shadow figure I saw multiple times while growing up in rural Northern California. The very first encounter I had with this entity transpired in 1986 when I was about four years old. After the entire family had retired to bed one evening, I woke up to use a restroom. As I climbed out of bed, I remember hearing my brother snoring and seeing him fast asleep upon the top bunk of our bunk bed. After entering the hallway, I attempted to enter my parents' bedroom because the master bath was the nearest, but their door was locked. I remember knocking only to have my mother answer the door seemingly annoyed. She told me she and my father were trying to sleep and that I should use the bathroom at the other end of the hallway. As I continued on my way, I noticed something unusual, and it stopped me cold in my tracks. There, projected by moonlight onto the white plaster wall of the living room at the end of the hall, was the silhouette of a man wearing a fedora hat and what appeared to be a trench coat. The moonlight was elongating his silhouette so that from where I stood in the hallway, he appeared to be twelve feet tall. At that moment, the figure uttered my name in a low, deep voice, and I crouched down onto the ground, digging my little fingers into the fibers of the carpet. He spoke my name a second time, almost impatiently, and when I remained frozen without responding, the shadow began to grow smaller as it began to move away from the windows and closer to the hall, causing the projection on the wall to shrink in size as it moved away from the moonlight and closer to me. It then said my name a third time, but this time it was nearly a shout. Suddenly a burst of adrenaline shot through my body and I was able to bolt back down the hall and past my parents' room, where the door was still shut, and onto my bedroom where my brother was still fast asleep. I dove into bed and threw the covers over my head, my urge to pee having all but vanished. I lay there trembling for several minutes before somehow falling asleep. The following morning, I questioned my mom about the shadow man with the hat who called me from the living room, and she seemed genuinely perplexed. She wrote it off as nothing more than a bad dream, but I knew I wasn't dreaming. The next appearance of the hat man occurred seven years later, after my parents had built a larger home just 20 miles north of our previous house. I was 11 years old at the time, and now had my own bedroom. While I had never forgotten my first run-in with the Hat Man, I had not experienced any other sightings since that first encounter. Then, one spring evening in 1993, while my parents were hosting a large family birthday celebration, the Hat Man made another appearance. It was early evening, and completely dark outside. My bedroom was set up with the only Nintendo in the house, and my sister and cousin were playing video games in the dark. I remember entering my bedroom to recess their progress on Mario Brothers, and what I saw upon opening the door caused me to freeze, right in my tracks. Standing at a side profile in one of the bedroom windows was that same hat man from before, his shadowy profile cast through the white fabric shades by street lamps and into my dark bedroom. At that same moment, my sister and cousin, having observed the expression on my face, looked towards the window and gasped. It was the same thing. I don't know where I summoned up the courage, but somehow I walked directly to the window and pulled up the shade. As I did so, it was apparent that no one was standing outside the window. There was no one there. Even so, as we lowered the shade again, the same shadow continued to pass through the fabric, as though some invisible man was standing just outside the window and casting his shadow through the blinds. 
We all ran out of the room and begged the adults to come and see the shadow man in the window. The adults were busy conversing and were clearly annoyed by our insistence that they drop everything and come with us to investigate this strange figure. By the time we got back to the room, he was gone. The adults, of course, did not believe us. Five years passed. Then one evening, I was home alone with my mom. She had brought home takeout for dinner, and we decided to eat together in the family room. My father, who was out running errands at the time, was adamant that no one eat meals anywhere but the kitchen table. My mom wasn't so much a stickler for this rule, so we ate in front of the television with the understanding that we needed to haul ass back to the kitchen with our food should we hear the garage door open, which would signal my father's return. As we sat eating, we heard the back door between the garage and laundry room open, which caused a vacuum effect that rattled the windows of the house. My dad must have returned home, which was strange because normally we would have first heard the electric garage door open and his truck come to a halt well before he actually entered the house. There was no time to question what was happening, though. If my dad was home and was to catch us eating in the family room, he would be furious. My mom and I picked up our plates and napkins, ran to the kitchen, and pretended to act nonchalant as we hastily sat ourselves at the table. We waited for my dad to come into the family room and onto the kitchen, but he never arrived. We'd both heard the back door open and felt the windows rattle. But he wasn't there. It was so strange. His truck wasn't in the driveway and the garage was empty. Upon re-entering the house through the front door and discussing how strange this all was, my mother suddenly jumped, clutched my arm, and let out a blood-curdling scream. To anyone who's wondered what true fear feels like, it is definitely the sensation felt upon hearing your mother shriek in terror. I followed her gaze towards a figure in the shape of a human and completely black, which walked into the kitchen and towards us. Its arms were swinging, its feet deliberately stepping, and it was moving just like a human. After hearing my mother scream, the shadow figure seemed to jump, almost as though it was just as surprised to see us as we were to see it, and suddenly swung its right arm around, twirled in the opposite direction, and ran back into the family room. The next thing we heard was the laundry room slash garage door opening and then slamming shut as though it had left the same way it came. My mom grabbed her purse and keys in a panic and we ended up driving around town, frequently calling the house until my dad finally answered via the landline. My mom kept telling him that whatever we saw, it was definitely not human, but needless to say, my father did not believe us. There were a few other things that Sean included in his story that we just uh, didn't have time for, mm-hmm. but Sean, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Absolutely. It was I, a great story. It really was. And I'm fascinated when the shadow people seem startled by us. Well, and you hear that quite a bit. Like that does pop up in different stories that they're sort of just as surprised to see you as you are to see them. Yeah. I think it may have been shadow people too last year where there was a story of someone in a kitchen. And the shadow person was maybe at the sink or something. Right. And the person walked up behind them and it seemed to startle them. Yeah. Which yeah. I, it's kind of funny to imagine some ethereal monster being startled as it does the dishes. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe what we're seeing is a shadow from some other existence. Well, and, and if, if there's any kind of explanation, I assume it's something like that. Yeah. I don't actually knows? think these are, you know, demons from the deep or whatever. It, <laughs> there's, you know, probably some explanation. Although I'm sure not all of them have our best interests at heart. Just like. Regular people you'd meet on the street. That's it. And I've always said that about, about you know, ghosts and things. If you're nice in life, you're going to be nice in death. If you're not very pleasant in life, then death seldom improves your attitude. And it, it always surprises me when people have this idea that after death, everything's just roses. Like all the spirits are here. They're all your angels and they're here to guide you to your next lottery winning. And I don't know why that would be the case. That seems like such... Because that's a nicer thing to believe. 
I guess. But we actually have to be vigilant. I'd like to believe that I can keep eating Pop-Tarts the rest of my life, three meals a day, and I won't die. But that's not true. No. Um, And yeah, I mean, the the different experiences I've had, some of them are really confused. Some of them are are quite angry about a situation and, and, and you're there. So you kind of get the brunt of that anger. Right. Um, like people. Yeah. Ex- 100% like people. Except people who are A, even more limited. Right. And B, not many people can see them or feel them or understand that they're there. Yeah. So it would just be so frustrating. And I think you do get caught in a bit of a loop where you can only show up in certain places, certain times, certain things, whatever. I don't know. That would be a bummer. And wouldn't well, it? Well, there was that story we had a few minutes ago where the, the kid said, you know, the spooky figure makes faces at him from the corner. And it's his great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather. Yeah. Does that son of a bitch have nothing better to do than hang out in the corner of that house making right? stupid faces? Or the little girl who only can come out at night and has to go back in the bushes during the day. Yeah, get a hobby, you losers. Yeah. <laughs> Listener story from Sarah. A few months ago, my husband, our three young daughters, and myself were staying at his parents' house while they were away. I've always been kind of jumpy when I've been alone in their house for no specific reason other than it just seems kind of spooky. Anyway, we'd gone to bed around 11-ish on a Saturday night and he fell asleep first and I kept reading until about midnight and then I went to sleep. About two or three hours later, I woke, feeling heavy, a heavy dark presence in the room. I looked over to the other side of the bed by the closet, and there was a shadowy, hooded figure staring at me. Instantly, I thought it was an actual person, but I couldn't make out a face at all, just black nothingness where the face would be. Normally, if this were a dream, I would try to scream and no sound would come out of my mouth. But this was no dream, and I started screaming at the top of my lungs, Get out! Get out of here now! My husband woke up, completely freaked out, while I continued to scream. And he asked me what was wrong. I told him there was someone in the room, but then it vanished into the hallway and out of the house. It was a dark and sinister presence, and I've honestly never been so scared in my life. It took going through the entire house with the lights on, making sure all the doors and windows were locked, to be convinced that it was not a human I saw. We stayed up talking for a while, and actually had an amazing, honest conversation about it. After a while, we were still so freaked out but exhausted that we went and slept on the floor of the room our girls were sleeping in, who thankfully had not woken up through the whole ordeal, blocking the door with our blow-up mattress. To this day, it's the most frightening experience I have ever had. I don't know why that spirit was there, or what kind of harm it might have meant, but it definitely made my husband and I even more committed to each other, and helped us be more honest with each other, even about things we weren't proud of. That might sound stupid, but for us, that spirit really represented something not being dealt with, and it was that fear we felt which caused us to put our pride aside, be honest, and deal with it. It's kind of nice when these things have that positive element. You know, yeah, like they've, it is. they've learned something from yeah. it or it's sort of put them into a situation where... Well, and you know what? This is one of those rare stories where she freaked out, told her husband what she saw, and he didn't go, there, there, dear. It's your hysteria <laughs> kicking in. Your ovaries making You're, you crazy. Yeah, have a Valium. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, no, they actually talked about it and he believed her. Although the experience itself is goddamn terrifying. Oh, 100%. And to be that scared to have to go through the whole house. and Oh, yeah. But they acknowledged it. See, and that's a different element in the story where a lot of people are like, I saw this thing, scared the crap out of me, so I rolled over and I went back to sleep immediately. Yes. And I get that reaction too. Sure. I have done that reaction. Yes, have I. I don't think it's very helpful. No, no, certainly not. So next up, we have another listener story, this time from Gus, but 
before we get to that, I should play the clip that he's referring to. And the clip that he's referring to, or the story rather he's referring to, comes from episode 12. Right. Where we talked about my book, A Strange Little Place. Oh my God. Available everywhere. Oh, books are, sold. are, like, are you trying to break a record I or couldn't something? help it. I just... I couldn't not say it. Oh, you're so weird. I know, but handsome, so it balances. <laughs> yeah, roll with it. Good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. Don't threaten me. <laughs> if I didn't threaten you, we wouldn't have a show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that that's from the that episode, which is quite a long time ago now, episode 12. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so we're, I'm going to play that story now. It's about six minutes. And then when we come back from that, I will read you Gus's experience. You, you haven't actually told me this story yet, so I'm curious. What what went on? Well, this is, I mean, it seems, so this one is, is tough because it's it's not all that dramatic, right. you know? I mean, uh, it's nowhere, I've never had anything super, well, I guess the shadow people is kind of interesting. Yeah, that's pretty dramatic. But uh, most of the stuff I hear from other people is a lot more interesting than my own stories. Right. But um, uh, one night, it was getting close to the night I was ready to leave. And I hadn't, I had seen nothing the whole time I was there on this trip. Not a thing. I, and I'd been out a lot at night. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I took some pictures. I think you saw, you know, I, I went out to the, the flooded, uh, the flooded, um, the, 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 yeah, the flooded river and took pictures Very you cool. know, in the bush. I oh, love thank that you. picture. Yeah. You know, I was out a lot at night, but didn't see anything. This one night, however, I was kind of, I, I was restless, but it was really dark. Yeah. And now it, it sounds crazy, but I have all my life, ever since I was a kid, I've had a very keen sense of different types of dark. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, you know, I like the dark as we yeah. discussed, yes. but there's a particular, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a particular kind of dark that I've always had a sort of just a natural aversion to. Okay. Like it's, it just, it seems, it's the kind of dark that seems to just soak up light. It's yeah. not just. It's like an inky blackness. Yeah. 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 Covering everything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this night was like that, but I, I, I really was restless and but at about midnight, everyone else is asleep. And I thought, you know what? I really. I've got to do something. I got to go for a drive at least because right. otherwise I'm going to be up all night. Right. So I got in the car and started driving and I drove, I think total about 45 minutes, 40 okay. minutes. Not long. Not long. And I didn't see, I saw maybe one other car. Right. Um, including a police, sorry, one other car in a police car. Right. And there's a particular shot I've been thinking about trying to get up on what's called the Eastern access, which is the road going east out of Revelstoke up to the highway. Right. There's a, a bridge above the train yard, and I thought that would be a really cool shot from the bridge. So I thought, well, I'll go up there and scope that out. Maybe I'll take the picture. Right. So I go up the up the up the hill, cross the bridge, pull a U-turn, and I'm sitting by the side of the road, and I just had this really strong sense that that tonight is not a really good night to get out of the car, okay. especially in a like a wooded road. Yeah. yeah. So I just stayed in the car, went back down the hill, and thought, ah, I'm just going to go home. Yeah. So I come down the hill. And at the bottom of the hill is an intersection, which if you're coming from the hill, there's, it's uncontrolled. Right. But if you're coming from the left, there's a stop sign. Yeah. To the left, the road goes to the ambulance station and the industrial park across and the, the road is lined by houses, okay. each of which have trees in front of them. I want to say like evergreens. Yeah. <sighs> They're maybe like eight or nine feet tall. Right. Well, as I come down the hill, I turned and looked at the trees, just scoping stuff out. I was trying to find angles to shoot. Yeah. Usually if I see something unusual, my first thought is... I saw something unusual and then I start picking at it to make sure it's not just me filling stuff in. And usually it is. Usually it's just my overactive imagination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when I looked at this thing, which was a shadow about 10 feet tall that looked like two legs joined in the middle. That's all I could see before it 
stepping behind the trees. Yeah. I thought it seemed strange that immediately my first thought was, oh, that's just a shadow of the trees. Mm. And then my brain started working on it and I realized that's not right. Mm -hmm. That can't be because it moved. And right. I feel like it wasn't lined up with the trees. Right. So I looked again as I was going down the hill to see if, oh, I'll just see it again. That thing wasn't there. Wow. That shadow was no longer there. Well, what do you think it was? I have no idea. I really have no idea. And I, that's why I'm not making any crazy claims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I saw a shadow that was at least as tall as these trees, if not taller. And those trees are probably, again, nine or ten feet tall. Wow. And it it looked like... Like two huge, like two huge trees, the shadows of two huge trees joined in the middle partway up. That's all I got to see before it, before I kind of, my vision clicked out. So you almost saw like the bottom part of it? Or? I think so. Yeah. yeah. But it was huge. That's incredible. And I I don't know. And I actually, I was going to pull a U-turn, go back up the hill and come back down to see if I could duplicate it. Yeah. And cause I had this weird thing, like I really yeah. wanted to duplicate this, yeah. Yeah. but I, I couldn't make myself turn around. Wow. Because there was this part of me that was afraid I wasn't going to be able to replicate it. Yeah. Well, and it was probably that same instinct that told you, mm, tonight's not a good night for yeah. outdoor photography. Again, I don't know what it was, but it certainly put me in mind of, again, the shadow people stories we've talked about. I mean, there's, there, I, I go back and forth on this, but there are definitely Sasquatch stories from around Revelstoke. And again, though I, I know I have no, absolutely no idea what the, what the hell it was I saw, I definitely saw it. Yeah. So it's just a matter of trying to, Find a place for that in my head. I was going to say, put it in a box somewhere. And yeah, exactly. Well, who knows? I mean, maybe next time you're back there, you can replicate it or try or something. Or <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I, I I, I'm, I'm dumb enough to try. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> All right. So now that you've had that refresher, this is what Gus had to say. Hello, my name is Gus. I'm 16 years old and from Southern Texas. While I was listening to episode 12 of your podcast, I realized I had a similar experience to the one Brennan had on his trip in which he goes for a drive. During a camping trip I went on during spring break, there was a very bad incoming storm and everyone was going to have to sleep in the mess hall. Me and a few of the guys went back to the main campsite to find any kids that were missing, and while searching through all the empty tents, one of the counselors called to us quietly and pointed towards where I had set up my tent. At first, no one said anything, until we saw two tree-like legs passing overhead. I know that this sounds made up, and I thought it was just a trick of the darkness, but hearing Brennan's story really solidified this experience. I mean, it's been, I guess, two years since I saw that. Yeah. And even I'm, you know, at the time was not totally convinced it wasn't some trick of the light, but yeah. it felt solid, like what yeah. I saw had weight. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, again, now to hear this from Gus, it just makes you wonder. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, that maybe there is a little more validity to it than I had thought there was. Well, and that's what I love about doing this show is we get these stories that kind of oh, yeah. people back each other up without even realizing it. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty cool. Well, the, uh, on my, on my radio show that I do, the music show, part of my opening spiel is, uh, together we're going to explore the night. Right. And I feel like that's something we do with this show. Yeah. You absolutely. know, our listeners send us information. We find stuff. Our researchers find stuff. Luke, Anthony, and Sarah, they find stuff. And we just try to maybe not come to an answer, but come to a deeper understanding mm -hmm. of all this strangeness yeah. that we're experiencing without ever really trying to, you know, put a name to it. Cause I don't think we can, I don't think, no, I think we lack a lot of information that we would need to really fully make sense. of. I agree this. with that. And, and we don't know. No, like, that's it. Just a couple assholes with a podcast. Share some experiences. 
So thank you very much for that story, Gus. Yeah, uh, Thank you also, Sarah, who I forgot to thank at the end of the last story. Yeah. And we have one more listener story left and one more story left for the night. All right. Listener story from Selena. I wasn't that interested in the paranormal until I was a teenager. I'd had a few experiences as a child, but didn't dwell on them. When I was 15, my girlfriend and I started messing around with a Ouija board. Typical story. I don't even remember why. Is a joke, a prank, a stupid party trick to do at midnight? Anyway, things started to happen, and we got really interested in it. We didn't have a store-bought board. We made ours with a piece of construction paper, and the planchette was a cassette tape case, the back half that was usually see-through, with a pushpin shoved in the middle of it. The pushpin was the pointer. We were obsessed for a while. We had particular entities we were talking to regularly. The planchette would move basically on its own, and a few times flew off the board with such velocity it would make it all the way across the bedroom and slam into the wall. At the beginning, we thought we were talking to children. Towards the end, we knew that what we were talking to was not friendly, and that we had probably opened a door that we shouldn't have. Toward the end of our stupid stint with the paranormal, we got turned on to an old mansion in the rich section of our area, Hillsborough, California. The place is called Carolands. The family used to own all of Hillsborough, I believe, before it was a town. It was just the Carolands property. As you enter this part of town, you can see the original gates that once closed the border of the property, and those gates are a couple miles from the house. There was a lot of bad blood on this property and in the mansion. It was a bad juju place. One night, I think it was a Saturday night, and it must have been fall because it was chilly and damp and not freezing, Susie and I decided to drive up there. Susie had just gotten her license, and her mom was letting her drive her old Mustang, old as in 80s, not anything cool. It was a stick shift and not always the most reliable car. The drive to Caroline's mansion from the bottom of the hill was a couple or maybe even three miles of very narrow, dark, tree-lined streets that twisted this way and that. Blind corners, 90-degree curves, stop signs hidden behind overgrown bushes, wet streets, no street lamps, basically not a pleasant drive for a girl sitting next to her best friend who just learned how to drive and had to drive a stick and thought she was an amazing driver and wasn't. I'm sure I was carsick immediately. Carolines was on the top of the hill, as any self-respecting mansion should be, surveying all below. We pulled up to the place and got out of the car. They're currently calling it Caroline's Chateau, but that's just publicity hype. In 1990, the place was between owners and a rundown mess. We walked across the overgrown park strip and stood on the sidewalk in front of the gates. The house itself was quite a ways off, and there were many unkempt bushes and trees pushing their branches through the gate and fencing. There were no lights on in the windows except for one on the far right side. There was a red light glowing from the bottom floor window. There was moonlight, though not a full moon. I remember the house fairly glowed due to the light-colored sandstone it's built from and the moonlight reflecting off of it. As we stood there, we both started to get very uncomfortable. Nervous like you would feel if you knew something was coming for you and you shouldn't be standing out in the open. We turned to each other to say, let's go, when a strong wind gusted at us coming from the direction of the house. We looked up at the house and both of us saw something moving inside one of the round windows at the very top of the mansion. I don't know the architectural term for these kinds of windows, but they look like portholes to me. As we looked, the shadow that was moving inside the window stopped moving and started to change shape. 
It soon filled the entire space of the window. The color was black, but not regular black. Black like it was a void, like it was the true definition of nothing, a black hole, something incomprehensible. It grew in size until it started to spill out of the window. Talking later, we knew that this was when we both, separately, realized that it had seen us. It shifted and seemed to be looking at us, although how that's possible, I don't know. It started for us, a solid column of the black, coming from the window like a snake, attached to the house the entire time. It looked to be about six feet in diameter, and it was coming at us very fast, pointed, targeted. I don't have any idea how far away from the road the house is, but at least a few hundred feet. We turned as one and ran to the car, which was only a dozen feet away. We reached for the driver and passenger door at the same time, right as the small metal posts dropped down into the doors, locking them. Susie scrambled for her keys and got the car unlocked, but before we could get the doors open, it locked again. Looking back, it seems like this could be pure fumbling due to panic, but my gut tells me that my account is accurate. It wasn't us. We were screaming at each other now. The wind was whipping our hair into our faces, and as we constantly looked over our shoulders, the black was coming, 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 so close now, almost to the gates. Susie unlocked the car again, and this time we got in. Forget about seatbelts. We started the car and took off. What happened next was the craziest part of the whole thing as I look back on this over the years. Susie turned into an expert NASCAR movie cop stuntman driver. The girl, who could hardly drive coming up the hill, was now driving about 50 miles per hour in a 25-mile-per-hour zone all the way down the hill, working the clutch like a boss, taking the corners like she was born to do it. I was yo-yoing back and forth watching Susie drive with my mouth hanging open to looking out the back window and trying to keep from peeing my pants. It was still coming for us. Never further away than six feet off our back bumper, it would get closer and then Susie would do some batshit move that would gain us another six feet. This felt like it went on for hours, but it was only minutes. As soon as we crossed the property line and drove through the ornamental gates at the start of Hillsborough, the black disappeared. One second it was there, three seconds later when I turned around again, it was gone. Susie and I didn't talk for ten minutes. She drove us to the nearest Denny's, again with the stupid teenagers, and we got some coffee and drank it with shaking hands. I don't remember the rest of that night. What I do remember is that we threw away the Ouija board, and Susie's mom saged both of our houses. About six months later, I told my mom this whole story. She said she wanted to see Carolands. I had my license by now, so I drove her up there. It was a bright and sunny day, and that night with Susie felt like a million years ago. We got out of the car, crossed the park strip, and looked through the gate. After about ten seconds, my mom couldn't breathe. She struggled to get air, wheezing and clutching her chest like an asthmatic without their medicine. We ran back to the car, and as soon as the door was shut, she could breathe fine. And we never went back. Nope. No, I I would leave town. Yeah. I don't even know what to make of that. Like, that's a really dramatic story. Well, and you know what? I've heard this from people who've messed with Ouija boards. Really? And don't know what they're doing. Well, not But they have, like... Evil Chased snake following evil them snake from the... No. No, okay. Um, but they open a door. Right, right, right. They right. open a door. And it's not the people who know what they're doing and use it as a tool. It's the ones who have no clue what they're doing. Right. And as she said in her story, at first they thought they were talking to innocent children. Right. And that's exactly whatever's coming through those boards 
wants you to think. Of course. So I'm not a fan. Well, remember when we had uh, Jamie Davis Whitmer on the show, mm-hmm. author of America's Most Haunted Hotels? I mean, this is essentially what happened to her. It wasn't a Ouija board. Yeah. But, you know, she was sort of dipping her toe into these waters. Something latched onto her, and next thing she knew, she's waking up from night terrors with every light in the house having been turned on around her. Oof. You know? So I, I No, I, not okay. No. Actually, this reminds me. I'd forgotten about this. When I was a kid, uh, early teens, I guess. Um, I used to hang out in the video store all the time. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I grew up in the, in a video store cause my uncle managed a video store. Right. Uh, but there was a time where I ended up hanging out at the other video store in town. Right. And the guy who ran that place was a local radio personality. And, uh, he actually offered to get me on the radio once and I said no. And I always regretted it. <laughs> I was just too, too young and nervous. But, uh, but anyways, he was telling me a story about playing with a Ouija board. Cause I think I was looking at the backs of horror movies or something. Right. And he said that, again, he's not really into that kind of thing, but some of his friends were playing around with one, so he just sort of rolled with it. But he said he felt like the air was being sucked out of the room. Yeah. There was this heaviness that just yeah. weighed on him. And he said, again, he wasn't, he didn't believe he wasn't even playing with it, no. but something changed in the room. Yeah. And when I was at Lizzie Borden house, man, I know I always tell the story, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. you could tell when they started using the board because like, like the air pressure changed. changed. I, and I don't know what it is. I mean, it's almost like um, you're in a house and you're on a very busy street and you throw open the window and you're like, hey, anybody want to talk to me? Yeah. Yeah, because you wouldn't do that. No. Well, theoretically. No. You're actually more like throwing open a door. Yeah, yeah. That you can't close again. Exactly. Only and that you they don't can close really it. understand. No. Yeah. No. And you don't know who's out there or what they want. And then that's that's how you end up with Terror Snake. That's exactly Chasing it away from the house. <laughs> Fuck that noise. <laughs> Fuck that noise. Great story, though. It was. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Selena. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our stories of shadow people this time around. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have our patron shoutouts and listener mail. Welcome back. I'd like to thank the rest of the team, Luke Greensmith, Anthony Germain, and Sarah Kent for their mm-hmm. help in putting this episode together and for generally just keeping this train a moving. Yep. So I guess first up, we'll do our patron shout out. Mm-hmm. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we would especially like to thank our most recent patrons. They are April, Shelby Van Stavern, Liz, and Mary Briggs. Thank you so much, guys. Absolutely. Again, can't tell you how much we appreciate it. You just make life that much better. 100%. And if you'd like to join our Patreon, head on over to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We have tiers at the $1, 5 10 20 and $50 levels. From $5 and up, you get access to all kinds of bonus stuff. As I mentioned earlier, the Cabin Fever episodes, which is just me and Ian hanging out, talking about whatever it is we've been up to. Luke's Luke Lore episodes. We also have the monthly live show for $10 patrons at $10 and up. That's just an opportunity for us to hang out with you, kind of shoot the breeze. Again, just more in, in a more interactive fashion mm-hmm. than, than the show. We also have at $20, you get access to Ian's smash hit, Christian Country album, Aware of Wonder. Aware of Wonder. Thank Not you. available where all fine albums are sold. No. Well, it is now, thanks to me. Yes. Uh, thanks for that. <laughs> but you get the high-quality digital files, not yep. the not the compromise. Not the crap we put out on Google Music. Exactly. Yeah. And you also get copies of my uh, art cards featuring my night photography. Which are actually good. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. So, again, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story, guys, if you want to learn more about that. 
Next up, we have listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. Email is the river, which keeps the turbines of this show turning. <laughs> Oh my god. You're welcome oh, for my poetic awful. genius. No, no. Shut your hole. <laughs> <laughs> but really, no, we love having emails from you guys. Thank you so much for writing in. And we want to thank the following people who contacted us over the last couple of weeks. Kim. Apathy and Serial. Victoria. Tony. Madison. Travis. Ty. Selena. Bob. Madison. Chris. Sarah. Alicia. Kaylee. Booze and Bourbon. Mysteries and Monsters. Erica. Wanda. Frank. Willie. Andrew. Sean. Yay. And there's also, this is why we don't read the individual emails anymore. Kev, Jessica, Andrew, Emma, M, the Midnight Owl podcast, Austin, Justin, and Michael. Thank you to everyone who reached out. It's always a trip hearing from you guys. It, it is. It just reminds us that there are people out there enjoying what we do. Dozens and dozens of people. Literally tens <laughs> of people who will enjoy listening to our show. And we are grateful. Yes. And if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash ghoststoryguys. And we have a pretty, pretty bossed Instagram account, if I do say so myself. Because you run it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Someone's got to say it. <laughs> at instagram.com slash theghoststoryguys. Mm-hmm. Coming up in October, we have three episodes and we're hoping to do listener story October. So we're going to have three episodes yeah. of just listener stories. So if you've got a paranormal story, something that's happened in your life that's you just think is the weirdest shit you ever heard of and you're not sure if anyone else has experienced something like it, fire us an email. Ghost Story Guys. Send it on in. We'd love to share it with everyone else on the show. So again, that's coming up in October. We're going to have three consecutive episodes, three straight episodes of listener stories. And keep in mind, we're happy to use your name or not. It's up to you. You just let us know in the email. Say, hey, you know, if you don't mind changing my name or don't use my last name or whatever. Yep. We're totally cool with that. Yeah, I mean, today, before I put Selena's uh, story into the script, I sent her an email just to make sure it was okay to use her real name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you just never know. No, you don't. But no, if you want us to obscure some details or whatever, that's fine. Just make sure you mention that in your email. I don't think we have anything coming up we need to worry about, do we? No, no, nothing. You've got your uh, charity ghost walk, but that's all sold out. Yeah, sold out. Some ghost walks every once in a while, not that often. Fair enough. The summer just keeps rolling along. I guess it's slipping away. Yeah, when this, it really by the time the show airs, it'll be almost done. I know. That's wild, man. It it's just incredible. flew right past. And you'll be dead in a trailer somewhere. Well, had to go somewhere, and I think we all figured it was going to be something like this. <laughs> I did, actually. Yeah. I wonder where I'm in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki's probably got a lot of them. (laughs) My wife managing my very own Deadpool. (laughs) That would be depressing. Yes. Yes, it would. Kind of unfair because she could actually kill you pretty easily. I figure if anyone's going to do it, you know, if it's not her, then Hobo in the Woods. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 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 Scratching on the side of the trailer. Exactly. (laughs) Jesus. If for some reason you want to hear more of my voice, you can find me at Largely the Truth. That's my weekly music show on 92.5 Stoke FM. That is Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Pacific, and if you're not in the local broadcast area, and you're probably not because it's about the size of this table, you can listen to it at stokefm.com or via the TuneIn app. And that's just an hour-long trip through the soundtrack of my week. I play a lot of new uh, new independent music, and I've actually got a, a theme show coming up. Next Wednesday, I'm going to be doing, which will be tomorrow, I guess, by the time the show airs, I'm doing a show that's entirely Chicago punk bands. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Bands I've never heard names of before. Wow. So, again, that's Largely the Truth, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Pacific on 92.5 Stoke FM or via the web at stokefm.com and the TuneIn app.
If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, head on over to our website at ghoststoryguys.com. There you'll find links to our Redbubble and Threadless stores. And if you do buy something, make sure to send us the receipt, forward us the email, and we'll send you some stickers as a thank you. And in fact, we do have a special occasion coming up. We're not quite there yet, but we have some exciting announcements for when we do hit that. And I'm getting a very special shirt because of it, so I am super excited. Exactly. So I think probably by our next show, we'll be able to share that with you. If not, it'll be the show after. But uh, yeah, we've got some some new stuff coming to the store uh, and just a little bit of a celebration. So yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that for now. There will be no cake, however, because Brennan can't have dairy and I can't have anything wheat-based right now. So <laughs> that's right. We'll have some sort of celebratory beef jerky or something. Yeah. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> all right, folks. I think that's going to do it. Yeah. We'll be back in two weeks with another show. And until then. Into the darkness we go. Okay, it's all coming. It's all coming out. All right, Barry White. Barry White. Demons be gone. (laughs) Oh Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh boy, I should probably just cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) Shadow of a doubt. Such a boob. (laughs) I'm not sure of the time. It was. Fuck was that? It was my phone. I'm so sorry. It's not supposed to do that. It's on silent. Everything. (laughs) Jesus. Holy shit! Why did it do that? Oh, I saw one of those ones. Gross. It is gross. Yeah, it's funny. When when the restraining order allows me to uh, <laughs> to reach out. That was terrible. Ian Gibbs, psychological terrorist. Well, I was 18, so yeah, probably. Yeah. Aren't all 18-year-olds psychological terrorists? That's a very good point. Yeah. I didn't immediately see them, so I gave up. <laughs> 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 <laughs>